Welcome to episode 51 of the Galileo Men podcast, and Happy New Year. It Absolutely. Is 2024, the day uh, after 2024 has, and we rang in the new year. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a ton of fun. I hope you are enjoying this holiday season. I think this marks the end of the holiday season. Technically, think, yeah. Technically, so. Everybody's going back to work and school starting. Putting the Christmas so, yeah, tree up, exactly. all that stuff. There is actually, it's interesting in Colorado, there is a major tradition, like almost everybody in Colorado does it, the Christmas tree and the Christmas decorations and lights don't go down until after the stock show. Because really? the National Western Stock Show is like the 22nd, usually around 21st, 22nd. That lasts a week, and so it's all the way up through the end of I January. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a Denver thing. Don't ask me why. Just kind of weird. But uh, Anyway, we have a fantastic episode stretch, episode arc that Will has put together for us. This is going to take us through January. I think there may be five in January. I haven't checked. We got four of them, um, a, a four-episode arc, and this is going to be... Well, I probably should let you kind of no, get yeah. into it, but so we're talking a lot about like roles in the church and what you as godly young men need to be doing um, for those roles. Should you be chasing these roles? So I'm actually going to save kind of what we're going to be talking about. I'm not going to spoil every sure. single episode. For this episode, we are talking about being an elder, and you know, before we turn it off, I'm like, man, this is going to be a boring episode. This might be our most important episode yet. And we've said that before, and we have had a lot of important episodes. Obviously, 51 episodes in, we think all of them are important. But as far as depth of importance and level of importance, this one is up there. Because in the church today, there's an eldership crisis. Um, I truly believe that. And by an eldership crisis, I mean we have loads of men that are currently serving as elders that are not qualified to be elders. And then part two of that, which might be a reason for part one— is because we don't have enough qualified men in the church to be elders. Right. And so right. this is a very, very big deal for the future of the church, for the future of being, of, of being godly young men. Like we have people that – we have men that are not qualified to be elders. Why? Um, you know, we got congregations that have 100 people that, man, they can't find people to be elders. Like why? What's going on here? And so for you godly young men, 16, 17, 18, 20, however old you are, you might be going, man, that's a long way off. Why do I need to worry about that right now? We're going to tell you why. It's very, very important. We believe, and Joe, I'm, I'm going to hand it to you here. We believe every godly young man should make eldership a goal that they're striving for. That's right. um, we think every godly young man should look 40 years down the road and say, yeah, I would like to be an elder at that point. I would like to be qualified to be an elder at that point. And I think, and I'll hand it to you, the reason why we have so many men right now who are not qualified is because 40 years ago, That's they right. weren't looking at it That's saying, right. I want to be an elder. It's exactly it. It starts now. It starts now. That's why we're starting this new year with a spiritual bent. We really want to get the year started well. We want you to be thinking about this because, again, 40 years is going to go like that, and you're going to wake up one day, and it's like, man, I've wasted my you know, my years, and my kids aren't faithful, and you know, I've been married two, three times. I mean, God forbid, right? We're, we're very much praying and hoping and everything else that, that life as godly young men we, takes off. It starts now by yep. getting it right. It starts by us thinking about some of these qualifications at the end of First Timothy 2, he talks a lot about women, right? The, the, the instructions for women, what a woman is supposed to do. Uh, verse 11, women must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Okay, that's great. We have all this about women. You could look at it and go, oh, that's just for certain women. No, that's for all, for all the women. women. So then you go, okay, what about for the men? What are we supposed to do? In my opinion, First Timothy 3, when it talks about all of the overseers and deacons, you know, the elders and deacons, the qualifications... Every man should be striving to meet this. Now, the very first thing he starts with is... Verse 1, yeah. You have to aspire to the office of overseer. You have to want it. However, all of the things that proceed or that, that, that come after that, rather, 
every man should be striving well, for, every young man. I've always kind of bristled at the idea of like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully qualified, but I, I don't desire it. To me, I read this, and the point is kind of like, if you qualify, you should desire it. Like, this is not a, okay, this is only for 10% of the men in the church. Everybody else, you know, doesn't matter. But for you 10% that might maybe possibly potentially want to be an elder, I don't read it that yeah. way at all. I read it as, you know, again, as we're going to look at these qualifications, push for these, strive for these. And if you desire it, you desire a really good work. Like, it's something yeah. that's good. Like, you should desire it is the point. I don't read it. And that gets into the discussion, Joe, of like, I think a lot of people kind of view elders as like, those are the super spiritual guys, right? right? Like, I, I don't really want to be that. I'm just going to be, you know, lowly old average spiritual guy. Me. Talk about kind of the problem with that that idea. <laughs> yeah, because it's basically there's a spiritual elite and then there's me. And I don't want to be right. part of the spiritual. Who doesn't want to be part of the spiritual elite? And why shouldn't we want to be part of the spiritual elite? Imagine, to your point, we have an elder crisis. Imagine if in 40 years you look around your congregation at 200 and almost every man was qualified. Almost every man was capable that of leading. Definition of a good problem to have. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's what you want. Is you want to, and, and we realize not everybody is going to be qualified. We get that. There's various reasons why. We're going to get into the qualifications and such. However, it's such a tempting thing to go, those are kind of the, the Marines of the church, so to speak, and I just I don't even want to join the military. We can't have that problem, right? right? Because we, because they are the spiritually elite, like that. That's sure. that's that's true. Like they should be slightly different. They should they right. should be a there should be a higher level. There should be a you can look at them and go, wow, yeah, that that is a absolute rock solid. They man. are the God. Marines of the church. They are. Yeah. At the same time, we shouldn't view it as like that's the five percent that I'll never be and I'll never want to be. So right. I'm just good to be you know, again a little average old me. That's the wrong mentality. Wrong right. mentality. And that's all we're getting at is this has to be something where we look at that and go. Bingo. That's me. That's what I'm going Once again, maybe 20, 30, 40 years ahead of time, as long as we have this desire to be the man, that's the type of man that's qualified for that, we do want to aspire to this office. I think we need more elders in the church, and it's very tempting, and we'll discuss in a future episode, it's very tempting to push everybody into the preacher role. Oh, you, you like scripture? Okay, you're a preacher. Yeah, you show any inclination for God at all, you must be a preacher. No. We need. We got really, preaching schools, we don't have elder schools. That's yeah. exactly it. We need... Elders, you know, that come from being accountants, that come from being janitors, that come from being who, who knows what. We want men that are aspiring to greatness and to be the spiritual elite instead of, oh, that's them over there. I'll never be that. Strive to be that. And that's really what this episode is all about is, once again, striving for greatness. But we yep. want to strive for greatness, spiritually speaking. The elders are the kind of the, the upper echelon, yep. in my opinion, spiritually speaking. So as we talk about... Why are elders important? You know, what's the importance of elders? Joe, if, if you want to turn to Titus, actually, sure. to, to kind of get us through, because he gives the qualifications and then kind of gives the reasons for needing them afterwards. I believe this is the third most important role for a male that God has, has established. Um, I think that being a husband, being a father are obviously, to me, the top two most important roles that God has established. Yeah. But after that, I think it's elder. I think it's more important than a government official. I think it's more important than, you know, anything else you can think of. Being an elder is a very, very important role, and what's this is what going back to, you know, desiring to you know a lot of people not desiring to be an elder. I think we all agree you should desire to be a husband, and you, we all agree you should desire to be a father. Yeah. I think that should continue on. It's not like yeah, I, should, I really want to be a father, husband, but man, forget that elder thing. It's a really important role that we should desire. Like yeah. it's it's right there with it as far as the other two. Absolutely, I got Titus pulled up, and this is really what it's speaking to. Titus one nine through eleven talks about the flock needing guidance. Like yeah. this is the role. Your family needs guidance. Your wife needs guidance. The flock, the church needs guidance. It needs leaders who are willing to step up. Not every, like when everybody's a follower, who leads it? It's blind leading the blind, right? right. We need people who go, this is where we're going with the church. 
You're doing the same thing with your wife. You're doing the same thing with your kids. Now it's time to be able to step up in the church and do that. So in 9 through 11, it starts in the middle of it, but he's giving the qualification. says, Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced, because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. There are wolves out there. There are problems in the church. There are people that, you know, that the church is surrounded by enemies. Who's going to be the one that stands up and takes a leadership role? Who's going to be the one that looks at it and goes, man, we got to do something about the rebellious. We got to do something about those empty talkers, about the people that are taking the flock astray. And we need men to step up. And you look at that and go, well, that could never be me. Why not? Right. Right. Why not? Why wouldn't we want to get into this specifically seeing the importance of the role in the flock needing guidance? And, and we bemoan the fact that the church is not in a great state. The church is going downhill. We're losing people. Look at any company that's going out of business. Why are they probably going out of business? Because of their ownership and management. Yeah, that's right. Probably why. And so as the business goes... Or I'm sorry, as the owner manager goes, so goes the business. Yep. Same thing in sports. If you got a bad sports owner, you're probably going to be a really bad franchise. It's the same thing in the church. Not to compare the church to sports or anything like that, but if we have an eldership crisis, it makes sense that we have a church crisis. Yep. So that's the importance of this episode, Joe. Let's talk about the qualifications. Um, there's a lot. We're not going to you know Tell go me. in depth on every single one, but for those golly young men who are following along, watching, or listening, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 are obviously where those qualifications are. Again, we always read it as for those 5% really, really spiritual guys is what right. you need to do. I want to encourage you from this day forward, read 1 Timothy 3 and read Titus 1 as that's what I'm going to be. Right. That's what I'm striving for. Every single one of those things is what is what I'm aiming for. Not not the, again, the spiritually, the spiritually elite of the church. No, that's what I'm going to strive for. Because I'd encourage you to read those lists and look through and see if there's anything in this list that you go, I don't really need to be, you know, prudent. I don't, I don't really right. need to be prudent, right? I don't need to be above reproach. I don't, I don't think I need to be gentle. Not violent. No, I'm good. I'm good to be violent. I'm, I'm good to yeah. be a little bit violent. I'm good to, you know, be fond of sort of gain and love of money. Like none of these on this list are, are, Tra- traits that you want to have, you know what I mean? Or, or rather traits that you don't want to have. Like every one of these is what every man, this is why we keep saying every man should strive for this. You read that list and you go, man, that's a lot of things. Why is it? Why are there a lot of things? Because this is the best of the best. Yes. Because we don't just allow any loser to, to take up this leadership position and to lead the flock. The problem is there are losers who are leading the flock astray. We need the the men to step up, the elders to step up and say, that's my flock. Absolutely not. Not yep. in this congregation. We're going to make sure that everybody's on the path to heaven. Here's how we're going to get there. And we need strong leaders. And so I, I want it before we get into the character traits, that is one of the biggest things is as an elder, we're not looking to lord it over. Same thing as a husband, same thing as a father. You're not looking to lord it over and to be the, hey, everybody under my thumb type of thing. At the same time, the importance of the eldership role or the elder role, we have people that are falling, falling off the, you know, falling by the wayside. We have people that aren't taking Christianity seriously. Your role is to take it seriously. You may look at the elders in your church and go, they're basically glorified, uh, you know, budget men. Like all they look at is the budget. They look at the the work of the church in terms of, uh, you know, maybe some missionaries and where the money goes. And then they also do the maintenance. No, that's a deacon. Those are deacons. Yep. It's great to be a deacon too. Look, that's in the context. It'd be great if we had deacons. But the elders are those that look at the spirituality of the congregation and go, this is where we need vision. This is where we're going, and this is how we're going to get there. And so you may call people out. Yep. you got somebody not showing up to church. The elder goes to them and goes, what is the deal? At this congregation, we That's what you just read in Titus 1 about exactly you know, exhorting and contra- those who contradict. We them. expect yeah. this in our congregation. This They create the culture. And, and I was recently, recently teaching a Bible class on every man ought to be the culture setter in his home. 
Elders are the same way in the church. Yep. They are to teach or they are to train and set the culture within the church. This is what we do here. So with that in mind, why are there so many qualifications? Because you are the culture setter of who knows how many people in your congregation. That's a huge, important role, but it's needed. It's a, it's an amazing role when taken seriously. I think it's so interesting that, you know, we talk a lot about tangible, practical, like be real. This is as tangible as yeah, it gets, no, no right? Kidding. Paul didn't say, no so for those who want to be a bishop make or a, an elder, make sure you're a spiritual person, right? Right. Make sure you love God. Make sure that you're, make sure you live your life like Christ. He got as specific as possible. And I think yes, to the did. question of why there's so many qualifications, I think it's because he didn't want to leave any doubt of like, this is what it should look like. Right. This is how they should act, behave. So with that being said, Joe, let's, I don't, we didn't really talk about how we want to do this. Let's hit these quickly. I think a lot of these qualifications can be broken down into three areas. Um, and most of them fall under kind of a, I would call it a character umbrella. By that, I mean, these, these are traits. These are, these are. These are qualities. These are character traits. These are attributes that, again, those who are elders, those who are going to lead the church need to have. And so let's hit them quickly, Joe. Temperate. What does temperate mean? What does temperance mean? When yeah. it says an elder needs to be temperate. Your Bible might say patient. Um, yeah. You know, somebody who's patient, somebody who long suffering. He's he's not quick to anger, right? Um, next one is sober-minded. First off, he's not getting drunk. You know, he's he's not using weed, anything like keeping that. Keeping his mind clear. He's keeping his mind clear. He's somebody that when you turn to him, and it's not just about substances, when you turn to him, you can expect the answer that's like, I've thought about this one. You know, and in my right mind, like I'm I'm giving you some really solid advice. He's sober minded. He's not the guy that flies off the handle. I was gonna say emotionally stable is yeah, kind of there you go. That's where a I was perfect going with way. It. Emotionally yeah. stable. Um, yeah. of good behavior, yeah. pretty obvious what that means. Somebody who doesn't act out and you know isn't wild on the weekend. Somebody who behaves well, not violent, very self-explanatory. Um, let's group these group these two together. Not greedy for money and not covetous. I, I would group mm. those two together, kind of. He's got a proper proper view of money, yeah. and I think my Bible has it differently. But it just says free from the love of money. Your your Bible may be different. Mine's NASB. I think yours is NKJV, yeah. right? Um, free from the love of money. Same thing here. Not greedy for money. Not covetous. He's not looking at other people's stuff. He's not looking at other people's money and having a real problem about it, right? That's the greed. That's the covetousness where he's he's going after it. He's got a proper understanding of a a godly man and his role of money. First Timothy six is you know he gets into it later in the book of what that looks like. He's also got gentle on here, and I'm going to put this with not quarrelsome. Somebody that and this goes along with not violent. Mm-hmm. You know that when you go to him, he's not going to fly off the handle. Yep. Like you said, emotionally stable. We talk about being emotionally intelligent, right? We've talked about this on the podcast. That is so key. Yep. Like, that is so key. And there's so many men that can't keep a lid on it. You know? Exactly. Like, Something goes wrong, and they just snap. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, and they, they, there are men that cuss. There are men that scream your head off. There are men that are just passive-aggressive jerks. You know what I mean? Or there like, are men that are just kind of looking for a fight. Like, you know, yes. just looking for a reason to get upset. At, at everything. You say one crossword, you look at him wrong, whatever it is. That's not this person. He's gentle. When you go to him, yes, he's sober-minded. He's got great advice. But he's also, he's gentle about how he's giving this advice. And he's also not quarrelsome where he's picking that fight, like you said. Right. Okay, you know, so we've got on here, or we've got, it's Paul, but we've got on our <laughs> list, uh, not given to wine. This is not somebody who's going to be distracted by all kinds of vices. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, not given to, not addicted to wine. Um, hospitable is one that Titus has. Why do you think that's important? I mean, it's kind of one that doesn't get a lot of press, I and mean, the other ones do. Why do you think being hospitable is important? Do you care about other people? Yeah. You know, or, or is he only thinking about himself or is he thinking about others and how to help other people? Is he inviting other people into his space? There's a level of openness yep. there, you know, honesty, raw, open, um, authentic. People see him in his in his space because there's one, man, I've heard a horror stories of 
the guy that puts on a great front at church and then behind the doors he's beating his wife or he's cheating on his wife or his kids are in fear of him or yep. he's cheating at work or whatever else. This is the type that's like, people know you. You're well, especially in today's society too where opening the doors to your home is like no small thing anymore. Right. And so if you've got somebody who is kind of like, I like my space, closed off, hermit, like, um, yeah, I'll go out to eat with you, but don't, don't come over to my house. That tells you something. Yeah. That, that's kind of a sign. And in this culture, there's a big part of, um, I won't go down the full rabbit hole but at the same time this idea of having people over and, and hospitable there's an evangelistic element to it yeah, which absolutely. is you got like uh you think of um why am i blanking on the uh damascus um or on the road not damascus i'm trying on? to help you out here yeah, where, no, where, i'm, where I'm where trying to blank on it um guy gets beat up on, good on samaritan. the road thank you good samaritan <laughs> what in the world i don't know why i'm blanking on it good samaritan the good samaritan i was like wrong one on the road but anyway the idea of the good samaritan where he goes and he takes him to the inn but it, it's like inviting that person into your home and they would do this for like a month on end you know yeah. where they would take care of people and there's an evangelistic opportunity and that's somebody who does that so the good samaritan yes the elders like the good samaritan well, to be an effective yeah. shepherd too i mean you you gotta be willing to talk to your flock and yeah, have your right. flock in your home and that kind of thing lover of what is good Pretty self-explanatory there. You know, you're somebody somebody who recognizes what's good, practices what's good, loves what is good, just, holy. These are words that we all know the definition to, so we don't need to go too much in detail on them. But you get the point. Those are all just the character ones. He's a genuinely good guy. Really, really good guy. Other people know it. God knows it. He knows it. So Joe just said other people know it. That gets us into kind of another section. So we have the character traits, kind of the qualities and attributes section of the qualifications. The other one, the next one I would say is kind of the reputation-based qualifications um and it's the idea that other people can look at look at this guy and say like joe just said yeah that's a really good guy yeah yep. he does all those so uh, my bible has blameless um for first timothy chapter three verse one it's the first one listed actually yep. a bishop or an elder then must be blameless joe is that where your mind has above reproach above reproach yeah yep. which basically means nobody's gonna have anything bad to say about it it's not gonna be a guy that you go to work and you're like man no that guy's awful here he does all these things and says these words and treats people this way and no He's above reproach. Yeah, nobody can have really anything to say about bad to say about him. He's he's blameless. Um, the other one that I think uh, um, is at the end of First Timothy three, actually, yeah, here in verse seven, must have a good testimony testimony among those who are outside. Even worldly people, even even non Christians, can say really good things about him. That yeah. he's again just kind of a really really good guy. That is more so because like the qualities and attributes that we just talked about, that's that's kind of on you. Like you get to determine, are you going to be a gentle person? Are you going to be quarrelsome? Are you not going to be given to wine? All these things. These though, it's interesting, are, are kind of more dependent on other people in a yeah. way. And it's interesting. He starts the first and last one are about reputation and it being above reproach. Because my Bible says, must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and yep. the snare of the devil. Yep. So he starts with, he, needs, he must be above reproach. He must not fall into reproach, right? He has to have this good reputation. And the reason why it's important outside the church is imagine having a guy come into your church and, you know, you're trying to evangelize him. He goes, that guy's an elder here? Right. Are you serious? And unfortunately, that has been done before. Like, that that has happened where he knows you from work and he just saw you cuss out so-and-so, at, you know, on Friday. Yep. And then he comes in on Sunday and he's like, okay, I'll try out this church. Whoa, hold on. Uh, guy back at Bear Valley tells a story of that happening where he was a preacher and he was establishing an eldership and he, or, or you know, looking for elders and... um Man, the guy was great. Everybody loved this guy. And so he thought, okay, well, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure, kind of do my due diligence and whatnot. 
So he goes to this guy's place of work, and then he goes to the guy's, and, and which is great. Every preacher should do this, I think, to make sure the guy actually is above reproach. Come to find out, he was a horrible guy. I think he was cheating on his wife. He was cheating at work. He was doing some really bad stuff, and everybody kind of knew it outside of the realm. But at church, he looked amazing, and so good on paper. Yeah, yeah he looked good on paper. That's the importance of this reputation-based thing. Is is it super important what others think? God's no. saying apparently so. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> no, but yes, yes, it really is. Like that shouldn't determine everything about you. But there is an element of like, yeah, that really does matter. That you don't bring a reproach upon the church because they look at you and go, man, if this guy can serve, anybody can serve here. And this is the spiritual elite. And I think it's important to note what we just talked about: the character traits, the attributes fuel this reputation. One, that's right. Like if you're lined up in all of these areas and you're hitting these qualities and you're gentle again, all the things we talked about you're probably going to have a good reputation. Like right. Again, they're, they're interconnected. Um, there's a third one on here for this kind of reputation-based one. We weren't sure where to put this fully. Yeah, but not a new convert yeah. is a very, you know, Paul makes sure that gets put in there. For, and it makes sense because he says you don't want them to be puffed up with pride. Like, oh, look at me. I'm, a, you know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an elder now. Um, and so, Joe, talk about, I mean, you, you, you made the decision to put under the reputation-based one. Um, People have to be able to look to him and know this guy knows what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And when it's a novice, when it's when it's a new convert, a guy just, you know, he comes in, he doesn't know his Bible, he doesn't know anything else. There's a level of gravitas of this guy's been a Christian for a while. He knows his word, and I know I can he's go to him. He's earned it, kind of. He's earned it, exactly. I know I can go to him and expect that he's going to give me a solid biblical answer. I'm sorry, but new converts, that's just not the case. They don't know the Bible well enough most of the time. I guess there's people that could be a convert after they've studied a ton. But either yeah. way, like, the, you're not supposed to be a novice for a reason. It's supposed to be somebody where... Again, people go, okay, that guy gets it. And I can go to him and ask. Well, I, that's why I put it under reputation. It's difficult to know where to fit it into one of these three categories. But I do think it's a matter of people being able to look to him for advice, look to him for biblical counsel, and know he's got it. Absolutely. That brings us into the last one, though. We've talked about the two. One is kind of the characteristic traits. The second one is the reputation-based uh, character traits and such. The third is family-based. Family-based in... These are big ones for, yeah. for being an elder. Yeah. There's a reason we, we we stacked it this way. You yeah. stacked it this way in the outline is we've come down to the big ones, really, really big ones. And these aren't just things of like, oh, he's a good guy. You know, he's just, he treats people fairly. Okay, that's great. Now we're talking about how it relates, not just to other people and how they see you, but truly how you respond to other people, specifically your household and the family. So the first one he has is husband of one wife. Well, what do you make of this? Yeah, so it's interesting that he's got that, at least in First Timothy 3, fairly early on. Bishop must be blameless, and then the husband of one wife is the next thing. And there's a lot of, there's kind of some dispute and debate about, you know, is that more so an attitude, or is that like literally talking about he only has, you know. Yeah. Um, obviously, we don't believe in polygamy, and he's married to one person, but I think a lot of this also speaks to, it's the idea that he's, he's a one-woman kind of guy. Yeah. He's not somebody with a wondering eye. He's not somebody that has been married and divorced a bunch of times and, you know, is, is on his third wife. He's not somebody that goes out and carouses around. No, he's the husband of one wife. That's he, literally he, how the Greek reads. He, yeah. he, he fulfills God's design for marriage is the way that I would put that. Of like, God intended marriage to be one man, one woman for life. This man is is right along, right in line, in in was it in lockstep with that plan? Yeah, husband of one wife. What would anything you'd add to that? Yeah, no, just I, I think you're exactly it. The one woman man. I do take it to be that he does need to be married. Obviously, yep. a lot of these things like hospital, and that's kind they of are very literal. One. Yeah, the hospitality that's made a lot easier when you have a wife. Yeah. Um, obviously, the guy needs to do it, but some of these things like you do need a wife to be backing you in these areas. Also, you need it for the the second thing we're about to get into, but. 
you can't be flirtatious. You can't be a guy who just, you know, loves all the women loving him. And you see some of these guys at church where they hug women inappropriately and, you know, they're kind of looking for the attention of women. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. And you're not really qualified to be an elder. If you are that guy, one woman, man, a guy who understands and is fulfilling the role God gave him to be a husband, one wife. The second is to rule his own household, a man who rules his own household well. This is the very, most controversial one. It of is course, by far the, the most church, controversial. Yeah. Yes, in the church, as to and, and Titus has it as you know believing children. Uh, Paul talks about somebody who has his own household or manages his own household well is how mine keeps his children under or keeping his children under control with all dignity is how the NAS reads. Um, and then it actually adds in parentheses. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? That's a fantastic question. That's really and at I the heart that, of this. I think that verse five is what sums it up because exactly we're not going to get the the debate is. You know, okay, well, what if he keeps them faithful till they're 18 and then they, they you know, leave the house and fall away and are faithful? Is he qualified? Um, biblically speaking, I think he's no longer qualified. We don't have to get I, – I think it's pretty obvious when Paul asked that question that he's saying, look, if you can't keep your kids faithful, how are you going to keep the church faithful? Yeah. Like, I think that's about as obvious as it can get. But I think verse 5 here is the point of, like, can you shepherd a small group of people? Can you shepherd yeah. your family? Can you do you rule your house well? You know, the, talking about the the submissive or faithful. How, how does ever your Bible puts it of like um, believing children? Do you rule your house well? Do your kids obey and respect you? Do, are, are are you shepherding well in that area of your life? And if you're not, why would we want you to be? Again, that's the verse five here in First Timothy three. If he doesn't know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? This is really. It's almost like it's a. Um, you know, you have preachers who. They're trying out for a job and they give their trial sermon or not trial sermon, their tryout sermon. Tryout sermon, yep. This is kind of like the the tryout, you know, version of being an elder in a way of like, can you rule your house well? And, oh, yeah. and this this is one that I'm just gonna say it disqualifies a lot of men in the church today. They do not rule their own house well. They did not right. rule their own house well. A lot of them aren't serving as elders for that reason. Unfortunately, a lot of them are serving as elders even though they haven't ruled their house. Because this well. is it's a resume. That's all it is. It's yeah. a resume. Is are you actually qualified to lead other people? And then you look on the resume, and go, no, not even, not even close. Like your kids, and you got are four kids, right. and three of them aren't faithful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or you look at the kids where maybe they're still at home, but the kids are wild banshees, or they're they're out, you know, sleeping with a girlfriend, or whatever it may be. Like that does disqualify you because it goes to show you can't keep them under control. Right. You don't have their heart inclined toward God, and if you can't do it with your own kids, who you literally spend all day with. How are you supposed to do it with the flock that you only see a few times? Which I do think elders need to be seeing their flock a lot more. But either way, the idea is still there, and there's all the debate of, do they have to be baptized, and what about after they turn 18? The way I look at it is, if you're managing the household well, yep. if you're really taking you know taking this seriously and making sure that your kids are you know under control of all dignity, they're faithful to you, they will be faithful to God. Exactly. I have a tough time looking at a person who walks away from God but still honors his parents. Right. How does that work? Uh, that's uh, part of honoring they, they, they're parents. They're in sync. They go hand in glove. Correct. Right. They go hand in hand. So how can they still be honoring you? And at what point, where's 18 come from? That's an American concept. Right. So why at 18 is all of a sudden, oh, hey, they're adults now. They get to decide. So all my kids walked away. Well, what that goes to show is as soon as they're out from under your control, they walk away. Do you really you think that... do a great job. Exactly. You didn't do a great job. Do you really think that looks good on the resume when you go to lead potentially 40, because 50, 200 people in a congregation? The other thing, we got to move on, but this is kind of a soapbox of mine. Like, they really don't start making their own decisions until, what, 14 or so? Right. Leave at 18, so it's like Paul's saying, gap. keep them faithful for four years, and then you can be an elder. Like, no, that's, right. that's not what he was saying. But, Joe, let's talk a little bit about, and this is, of course, kind of the conclusion and where we're going to really make this applicable, hopefully. Yep. What can you godly young men be doing right now? Because it's it can be very easy to listen to all these qualifications, and maybe you've sat through a sermon or a class on 
qualifications of elders, and it's like, yeah, 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 blah, 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 okay, cool. I'm 16, that's 40 years away, 50 years away, whatever. How does that apply to them today? How does that apply to a 18-year-old right now? How does that apply to me and you today? Yeah. I mean, we're still a good ways away from being elders. And so this is where we want to end is like, what should you be doing right now? If you're 17, if you're 19, if you're 24, if you're 27, if you're whatever, 10, 15, 20 years away from being an elder, what can you be doing right now? First and foremost, I think you got to desire the position. This is something that starts now. You have to be looking ahead going, I want this. This is, I'm, I'm going to change my life and make sure that I'm looking at this list. We should get to the point where we memorize this as men and I got to do this myself. We need to memorize this list and go over it and be going back to our last episode, examining ourselves consistently it's, to see where we fall with this. But this is ought to be something first and foremost that we desire and that we want. Real quick, it's kind of sad to me. I've, I've seen and heard men before qualified who say, I, I, I don't desire the position. And it's always interesting to me. Why is that? Yeah. Why do you think that is? And you think about how much we both would chastise somebody who is ready for marriage financially ready. No, nah, I don't really want to get married. Yeah. We would have a problem with that. You think about a, a husband and his wife ready for kids, financially ready, whatever. Nah, I don't really want to have kids. We would chastise them for that as well. Yeah. I I personally have a problem with somebody who is qualified, who ruled his own house well, who meets all these things and says, nah, I don't really want to be an elder. I, you know, I, I do have a problem with that. I think that yes, it is a big responsibility. And I think that's probably a lot of it is that people don't want the responsibility. Being a husband and a father is a big responsibility too, yeah. and we think we should strive for that as well. And so that's just all I was going to say on that is like I don't think it's it's more, I don't think it's a if you're qualified option A is yes, option B is no. Whichever you choose is fine. Yeah. I do have a problem with you know again there are going to be some things that not everybody is qualified. There's a reason that, that there are they are considered the Marines of the Church, like you said. If you're 40 years down the road from now, if you're 55 years old and you're qualified to be an elder and you choose not to be. I don't know. That just doesn't sit super well with me, and so I don't know what people, you have to add to that. People may but. look at the time and go, I just don't have time. I'm running a business. I got kids. I got a family. You know, you know, That I understand. Yes. And I, I can understand it. You want to prioritize if it's – I've seen plenty of people and preachers specifically do this where they put the church in front of the family. Yeah. You know, so, wow, we baptized 20 people this year, and his kids are falling away from the church. Like, yeah. make sure you're fixing your family first. But I very much agree with you. The 58-year-old that's retired playing exactly. golf three days a week. Yeah. Oh, I just don't have time. Like, the church needs you. We're desperately in yep. need of elders. We're in crisis right now. Please step up. And so, again, be thinking about that. And also, if you desire it now and if you're really working on these things, which kind of points to our second one of working on these qualities, you can then structure it. By the time I'm ready to be an elder at 50, 60 years old, I have figured out the needs of the church. I know where I'm supposed to be. I know what I'm supposed to do. And I've structured my life accordingly where I haven't taken on a bazillion of one things. I've now gotten to the point where the church work matters more to me than being at work 60 hours a week. You so, know, those type of things. So that is the, the second one on our list is for you, Yali, I'm in right now. What can you do? Work on all the qualities yeah. that we just listed. Work on that list. I'm glad Joe said memorize that list. Are you, a, are you a violent person? Work on that. Are you somebody who is kind of quarrelsome, kind of going on looking for a fight? Work on that. Are you somebody who, you know, is kind of wants what other people have? Or maybe you really are, are really into money and you just want to work on those things. Yeah. You know, I, I it's the seasoned veterans that are going to be elders. It's not like, and that, again, the reason why they can't be a novice uh, and be an elder. These are things that maybe take time to develop. It's not like you, you when you're baptized at 17 years old, you're going to have all these things. Of course not. Right. Develop them. Work on them. Look at the list right now and see 
even for your maybe the things you would consider your strengths, how can you continue with that? How can you continue to be just, holy, all these things? Um, I don't think you probably don't have much to add on that. Other than, you know, things like, well, I'm socially awkward, hospitality stuff. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm talking. That's what exactly yeah. what Will's talking about is looking at it going, man, I'm well, I feel like I'm just and I got a good, you know, view of money. It's great. Those are part. We want the rest of them. What we're running into is, okay, you got faithful kids. You, you know, husband and one wife. Once, yeah. Okay, that's great. I guess we'll just throw you in there. There's a lot more qualifications. Be thinking about those qualifications as well. It's great that you've only been married once. It's great that you got faithful kids. But are you doing these things? And it starts by examining yourself. It starts by working on these qualities. Third one is to be a one-woman man. The idea of not being flirtatious, yeah. not being somebody who is out, you know, chasing skirts as, as the saying goes, but somebody who really has taken control of himself sexually and honors them the same way Timothy does. And he actually tells Timothy this in, in I think, chapter 4 or 5, where he says, I think it's 4, have a good, or no, 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 it's 5. Sorry, I think it's 5, that's yeah. the start of the widows. But basically, make sure you're treating the widows as mothers, making sure you're treating the other women as sisters. And you can you do know, that right women. now at 16. Correct. Point. Yeah. Correct. You can treat the older ladies as mothers in all diligent, you know, in all, in all respect. And then you can treat the other ladies. And at 16, man, sometimes you're just looking for anybody that'll date you type of thing, treat them as sisters. Timothy was young too. And this is part of, hey, Timothy, that's in 412. Don't let anybody look down on your youthfulness, but in faith, spirit, you know, all these things. And this is going down into the context where he says, and I wish they didn't put it chapter five. That's kind of a bad chapter break because that goes just along with mm-hmm. making sure you're, you yourself are above reproach, Timothy. Don't let anybody look down on your youthfulness. And they will if you're out there chasing skirts. Yep. If you're not a one-woman man, make sure you are above reproach in that it's way. It's that attitude and that perspective and that mindset that you can have now at 17. Right. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you're five years off from or five years away from being married. You can have this mindset now. Fourthly, because um, again, you, he's like, I don't have kids. I'm seven, eight years away from having kids. I would say learn from really, really good parents. Yeah. Uh, get some parenting books. Find you know maybe shepherds or elders in your church. Now that have raised faithful kids and learn from them. That's definitely something you can be doing right now. Again, even if you're eight, 10 years away from having kids, we've had numerous episodes on the fact that you should be thinking about that, preparing yep. for that. Now, this is a way to prepare for that in light of maybe being an elder one day is looking at the people that have been successful and saying, how did you get there? What yeah. did you do? What are some you know practices, whatever? 17 year olds don't think about that a lot. And right. so that would be our challenge to you is think about it and actually, again, find a way to learn from people like that. Yeah. Read the books, ask the questions, get mentored. Last, fifth, think about and work on your reputation right now. If you are the... That blameless and above reproach and good testimony correct. aspect. Yeah. You're the guy that's, you know, out there TPing people's houses and, you know, <laughs> who knows what, like, okay, there, there's times for fun and good fun, things like that. You don't have to be a guy who's like ultra rigid and never has fun. But are you somebody like at school who, man, he cheats on his tests. Man, no, exactly. he, he's really lazy. He doesn't have a good work That ethic. guy knows every cuss He just plays video there. games all day. Yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly. We you want to be a guy who the the sports teams know you're the leader there. When you walk into school and hopefully you're homeschooled, but it, you know if you walk into public school, like the class knows this kid is first off not somebody to mess with, right? You know we're not he's not easily pick on pick onable. Can I say? Pick, <laughs> I don't know how you want to say it, invention, but I like it. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Where he's you know this is a this is a man's man, right? And so at church also he man, yes. he, he knows his Bible pretty well. He can, he, he talks in class. He's re, you know he's really friendly. He's nice to visitors, whatever. Yeah, and the parents know you, and not like a uh, what's his name from Leave It to Beaver, the um you know the buddy that he looks great to the parents, and then he's actually like a horrible kid. <laughs> We're not talking about that. We did don't want to reference just... Leave It to Beaver on the Godly Man podcast. I did. Man, that's a <laughs> that's a first. Back. Yeah, exactly. To like my dad's <laughs> yeah. dad's generation that goes way back. <laughs> What is it? Well, uh, not Wally, is it? Either way, it's a kid that 
you, you know, at church, oh, what a sweet boy. And then all the kids are like, are you kidding? That kid? You know, right. That kid? Don't be that guy. This starts now. The reputation building starts now. So by the time you're in your mid-20s, by the time you're in your 30s, by the time you hit 45, 50, 55 years old, people, ha- you have an established reputation in the church. This kid has been solid since day one. How much is going to be for them when they go out elders to go, hey, he's been around. He's been around. I've seen him since 18. He's been growing up in this congregation, and he's been a solid kid through and through. Everybody in the community knows him. Like, that's the guy you want leading the congregation. When somebody walks in from the community, they go, whoa, Will's Will's the elder? Man, that's great. He, I love this guy. Like, of course, it makes sense that he'd be an elder. That's what we want to be. That's what we're striving for. I think, I think it was my dad who told me one time that one of the things that you should cherish and protect the most is your reputation. Mm. Um because it can it can disappear in a flash. Catch yourself in the wrong situation with a female. Catch yourself, you know, lap moment of anger, lash out, whatever it is. Your reputation is precious, and it speaks to this point. And I said earlier, like, you know, reputation is kind of others based. It sort of is, but man, you control your reputation. You get to control what other people think of you based on how you act, based on all these characteristics and qualities. And so, that's what we're going to end on. Is as a seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, however old you are, listener and watcher. What is your reputation right now? Think about it. Consider yeah. it. And and if it's man, if it's, you're like, man, it's not really a good place right now, you got good news is you got 35, 40 years that's to right. get it to a good spot. Again, and that's I guess where we want to wrap is we want all of you godly young men to be striving to be elders. We're both striving to be elders one day as yeah. well. We're, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from that position. But at the same time, church needs elders and the church needs qualified elders, men who are who know the word, men who are able to stand up and and, and again, exhort uh, people who can convict, people who can correct false doctrine, right, people who can stand up to you know, busy bodies in the church. Whatever it is, we need solid elders. And so that was really the need and the importance for this episode. That's right. The reason why you start now is it does affect who you choose as a spouse. Absolutely. Is this person going to be that I can be you know, married to for life? Is it going to be somebody that spurs me on to be better, that spurs that me on to have me a good raise reputation, my kids to that be helps me, Exactly. helps me raise my kids how you raise your kids, those type of things, those are decisions in the next five, 10 years for you, realistically speaking. That starts off the trajectory. We talk a lot about trajectories. That starts off the trajectory as to whether you will be elder material or not. And man, one wrong decision on, oh, but I really like this girl. I mean, this is the nitty gritty and why you look at it with this long view in mind going, I want to get there. I want to get there. How do we Let's back it up to where I am now. What are we going to do to get there? And so we hope this has helped. We hope this is something that we, and we want to start the new year off again. Happy new year. We want to start the new year off, right? Really getting our mindset correct on a relationship with God. Yeah. What do we need to work on in terms of all of these characteristics and qualities and whatnot that is going to be most pleasing to God, that's going to glorify God, and that's going to help us be leaders in the church, leaders where we are now and leaders in the next 40 years that's the goal here, and that's what 2024 is going to be all about, is really prepping ourselves to get ready for this for the next few decades. Absolutely. I got nothing else to add. A really good way to wrap. We will be back next week for episode 52 of the Godly Young Men podcast. Leave your comments, feedback, any any questions, right. thoughts you have, any episode suggestions. We're still keeping that list. Um, but with that, um, we will wrap right there, and we'll be back next week for episode 52 of the Godly Young Men podcast. Thanks for watching. 